Hey listeners, it's Eric with a bonus preseason episode of the F and Rad Snowboard Podcast. I'm trying out a new and more personal way of starting the show for season nine. Because I travel where the guests are, it only makes sense that I share a bit more about the journey I'm on. It's going to make the start of the show a little longer, as is the inclusion of more sponsorship content in an attempt to make F and Rad my full-time job. You can soon subscribe to our F and Rad Patreon, where the episodes will be available earlier and ad-free. Thanks for tuning in. The F and Rad Snowboard Podcast is presented by Skyview Campers, an entirely unique, innovative, and lightweight pull-behind tiny home camper. The Skyview's design boasts a modern shape that makes the most efficient use of space. Inspired by mid-century modern architecture, contained in a minimal footprint. Completely different than anything else available, and built by Never Summer Industries, based out of Denver, Colorado, who has handcrafted high-quality snowboards for over three decades, creating a legendary reputation for U.S. domestic manufacturing expertise. For more information, go to SkyViewCampers.com. Wired Snowboards Season Seven is now live. Please go to WiredSnowboards.com and ask for Wired Snowboards at your local specialty snowboard shop. The Boardroom Snowboard Shop, Vancouver's premier snowboard shop, offers the right snowboards and related product at the right price with the best service. The Boardroom, providing the best possible product for your personal performance needs. Rip Curl Outerwear is packed with functionality, Ridden by superstars Chris Rasman and DCP, Rip Curl Outerwear is designed to keep you warm, dry, and comfortable. A certified B corporation, Rip Curl is all about the search. Fixed bindings are tool-free, simplistic bindings that focus on dependability and strength while providing ease of adjustability. So durable that they have a 100% lifetime warranty on buckles and base trays. Fix, snowboard bindings built better. This real estate secret could save you thousands. You get the best real estate agent working for you, and we put your money back in your pocket. In over 30 countries, Find an Epic Agent makes it cheaper to buy or sell a home. That's why it pays to click findanepicagent.com before contacting a realtor. Beneath outerwear and base layers will keep you comfortable during full days of being active, on the mountain, or in the office. Go to beneath.com. Life begins with what's beneath. 1910 is the collaborative works of Jamie Lynn and Scofe. Based on a longtime friendship, steeped in snowboarding and art culture, get your 1910 goods at 1910.com. New Greens by Pure Prescriptions, the superfood greens drink source from North American Farms. Go to newgreens.com and get their carefully crafted superfood drink for an on-the-go nutrient boost. The Pro Standard GoPro mounts and accessories feature an unmatched multi-functionality and attention to detail that enable you to get more creative with your GoPro while carrying less. Grouse Mountain has built its reputation as the place where Vancouver goes to snowboard by consistently supporting the snowboarding community for over 30 years. With this season's focus on mental wellness, Effenrad is proud to partner with The Haven, Established in 1983, The Haven is a not-for-profit center for transformational learning on beautiful Gabriola Island. 
The Haven offers experientially based programs devoted to understanding ourselves and others and creating a life you want. For 10% off their Come Alive program, the introductory program I'm attending in October, and highly recommend, please enter code FNRAD10 at checkout. As a snowboarder who started in the 80s, it took me forever to figure out some of the basics about the community. The idea that the graphics I loved so much growing up weren't actually created by the pro riders who made them famous hasn't truly sunk in for me yet, even though I know artists and graphic designers, some who even make their living from it, like this week's guest, Mark Kowalchuk. As a kid, I thought pros like Craig and Sean signed all their pro models with a marker. Hell, I probably thought Palmer drew the clowns in Cadillacs himself, or that Tom Sims did it. A few months ago, I read about the brushy trout. For some reason, I still imagine brushy bringing a rolled up original of the fishbone skeleton to the Burton headquarters and saying, look at this. But that's not how graphics work. It can be a process of teams, of people, of computers trying to predict trends, or even a lone artist hoping to catch the attention of a snowboarder they look up to, and anything in between. And this week's guest has done graphics for more pros than probably any other Canadian artist. You've seen Mark's art, trust me. And last year he even got his own artist pro model binding on now. He's been doing graphics for Devin Walsh at Wired for two years now. He's a resident artist at Academy Snowboards, 32 Boots and Remind Insoles, and he's the longest running artist at Yes Snowboards. Every time I see him, he's working on like 20 things for top-level pros and top-tier companies, and they're all mind-blowing. He's generous with his time and kind-hearted, and his replies to all my dumb questions always help me out. I always love getting together with Mark Kalchuk, and here is our long-awaited second interview. The first one was unpostable, but probably will show up one day in the Patreon both episodes were recorded where Mark resides in Calgary, Alberta. My wife's trying to do the. Are we recording, by the way? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't yeah. know. Uh, my wife's doing like the mushroom coffee. It's called. Uh, what the heck is it called? There's a name for it. I know it the one. It sounds disgusting. The name makes it sound disgusting, but it's actually not that bad. <laughs> it's called like sludge or mud. Oh mud. yeah, mud water. Mud, mud water. Yeah, I've seen the ads yeah. for that thing. They got to rebrand. Does it work? Um, actually, like, like is she happy throughout the day and has energy and all that stuff? No, she's actually more mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> she misses coffee. Yeah, <laughs> coffee works so well. Um, but I actually had the mud water. Like I stayed down at my buddy uh, John's house, who we were talking about earlier, who owns Remind and. He's got the mud water there, and I, you know, he doesn't have coffee, and I love coffee, so I was just like, whatever, I'll drink whatever this is. Yeah, it was, it was good. It you, wasn't, it wasn't coffee, but it was good enough. You could make it through the day. You can, yeah, like it's, <laughs> it's like the non-alcoholic beer of coffee. Right, right. Is so that, you know, you're not having coffee <laughs> because you don't have the full effects. Yeah, but like the ritual is enough to get your mind off the fact you're not having coffee. Yeah, like it's, it's hot. <laughs> It's not tea. It's kind of sludgy. <laughs> yeah. Good coffee's not sludgy. It's it's better than it sounds. I think the Mudwater branding, they've got to they've got to call me and and remark it, I think. Yeah, it's it sounds not, too much like mud butt it, or something. It, it's, it's not right. It's turning people off, I think. I think they could make millions. Actually, when I went to uh, Bali, 
you know, they have like the mongoose coffee, you know? What's but mongoose coffee? They basically trap a mongoose in a cage and f- feed it these coffee beans that are, <laughs> taste like cherries. And then the mongoose poops these cherry coffee beans. No. Yes, this is all true. And then they, they f- like make the coffee out of this mongoose poop. I've heard the cat one. They do, yeah. ca- they do that with cats. Yeah. This wild mongoose that will rip your face apart. They put it in a cage and they make this coffee out of it, out of the poop. And it's, I bought a bag of it. It's, they, they market it as, yeah, they market it as poo coffee, which doesn't really like. That's terrible. Do it justice. No, they should like, not. just call it like wild mongoose coffee and leave the whole how it's made out of it. Really? You know, like why, why would someone do that? First of all, like who was the first guy? That collected up like the mongoose. They, they must have had like bumper crop of coffee and they were like, oh, this coffee's so good. Like, no matter what, we want all the beans of this coffee. Yeah, I, I don't know. But like, I have no clue. But it, yeah, I, I tried the coffee because we were there and like, yeah. it's, it's not bad. Like, it's very strong coffee and it has that hint of cherry <laughs> and hint of mongoose poop. Like, I don't know. But like, they, that was like a huge craze that they were selling in Europe for a while. And you would go in these cafes and people are paying like 20 bucks a, a pop for like this mongoose poop coffee. And I told them this and they were like, I watched their faces melt because they're like the markup on it. Like they're selling a bag for like five bucks and people are charging 20 bucks a cup in Europe, you know? Like, right. Right. They were like, Oh my God. Like I could just see their gears turning. Like we, we could be waking so much more money. But yeah, but what? Yeah, I don't know. The, you, you're touching on a part of the human story that we're. At. <laughs> Let's it's make like, this whole interview nothing about art. Yes, it's a great <laughs> idea. Late, late. Um, what is it? Late something capitalism. We're at the end of it. Yeah. At, you know what I mean? Like we're we're wicked deep into capitalism. Yeah, where things have gotten crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think that th- this little farm in Indonesia that has this thing that they do with this mongoose is worth so much money somewhere else because it's really like a small grassroots thing that other people are paying a lot of money just to, to experience, which is crazy. Yeah, I remember reading a book not that long ago about mangoes about the mango trade actually no it was a podcast i heard everything i talk about is a podcast i heard but they were having a really hard time convincing people where mangoes grow that you got to treat them really delicately and wrap them up and put them in the boxes so they don't get bruised because they're like bruised is the best when they're bruised that's when they get really sweet Mm -hmm. and it's like no 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 you don't understand they have to look perfect Oh, I because see. we're selling these mangoes for like twenty dollars each to white people in Seattle. Right, so they and, have to look the part. Right, and the people that are growing the mangoes are like selling them for five cents a kilo or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. They're, they're just. It, it was really difficult for the distributor to get across. Like, hey, this is what we're doing. <laughs> we're taking the shit you grow. And we're selling it to people that pay like so much money for for one. They might yeah. only have one mango all year. My kid loves mango. 
Have you tried the sugar mangoes, those <laughs> little ones? Oh, my God, from Colombia? Yeah. They're always sweet. Every sh- single one. We should probably talk about art. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. When did you first, um, what came first, art or skateboarding? Oh, God, that is a good question. I think art. I oh, mean, I yeah. I wow. think it's like, because, you know, like I was... I mean, I don't think it was a conscious thing. Like I was like my own kid now. I was just drawing because I was a child and that's what I did and that's what I like to do. Yeah. And it wasn't like really, oh, I'm doing art or I'm an artist or whatever. I was just a young kid that liked to draw. So, right. I mean, any any kid can pick up a crayon and draw. And I was just doing a lot of that. And that existed before I was ready to pick up a skateboard. You know what I mean? Like I started drawing my own like little drawings in grade four, I remember. Yeah. And I, I think it, grade four sticks out in my mind because that was like the time when like the teacher approached my parents and was like, your kid's pretty good at art. You know, like he's might be an artist someday. Like, you know, like the classic, like, wow, that's his, that's what he's good at. You sure. Know? Sure. And so I don't know. I, I would say definitely art came first, but yeah. I think I picked up a skateboard I think around 88 or 89. So I must have been junior high. Yeah. Grade around age yeah. 13. Maybe. Yeah. So you and I've got to be on the same age level. Yeah. Because, well, you mentioned that World Industries Valeli board. Yeah. Which was Valeli is the right way to say it. <laughs> that's how he says it. So that's his name. Yeah, Valeli. Um, that that was a couple years in, right? Like Yeah, that wasn't my first by any means. My first board, I remember it like yesterday, obviously. Like, you know, I bought it in Duluth, Minnesota. I didn't even buy it in my hometown. It was, Weird. A, it was in a we were on a family trip. Yeah. And my, one of my best friends, Kyle, had bought um Santa Cruz Jason Jesse. Sick. The the Neptune Sea God one. Yep. No, sorry. Correction. The first one he bought was uh, the Jeff Grosso Alice in Wonderland. Okay. And he bought the Jason Jesse like shortly after, but he, he bought the Grosso and he called me over and like, he's like, look what I got. And I was like, wow, like that thing's sick. Like, I don't even like, what do you do with it? It's rad. You know, like I didn't even really know what it was about, <laughs> you know, but I just knew it was cool. Yeah. And then I obviously convinced, you know, my parents to get me something so they got me some shitty like like not walmart board walmart didn't exist it was called like san francisco shop it was like a, a mall shop yeah with the t-shirts it had all the t-shirts yeah they just sold the like crap yeah yeah it was almost like the it store or something it was just like totally. bric-a-brac weird yeah they had stuff. lava lamps yes, and skateboards exactly and, and like yeah yeah I remember. tiki torches and stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so this this board was below a walmart board like walmart would have been nice like this this board <laughs> like i'm not even kidding the wheels on the on the board were plastic but hollow like i actually like slid i remember these i, I remember these spotted the wheels and yeah they, they were hollow so and it went like through the plastic <laughs> went through the plastic yeah no those are the worst boards that, that were ever made for sure yeah. hands down there's yeah yeah so then that was all i had was a san francisco board and then we went on like a family trip to duluth and there was a skate shop called freestyle there and i you know it was like this you walk into this mom and pop shop but it was big and there's like i don't know 
when I was a kid, it was like, must've been like a hundred boards in my mind, you know, like on the Sick. walls, like, and I just like laser beamed this one board for whatever reason, like the graphic just grabbed me, you know? And that's why I'm telling this story because, you know, at that young impressionable age, like I didn't know anything about the riders. I didn't know anything about the shape I wanted. I was just like, that was the board graphic I wanted. Yeah. And it was the Jeff Kendall Santa Cruz with the atomic man on it, holding yep. the globe and the missile. Yeah. He looks like Freddy Krueger. Yep. You know? Yeah. And I was like, it just looked badass to me. Like, it, yeah. You know, like I always had like this, <laughs> I always had like a darker sense of uh, like an edgy style sure. that I was into. Yeah. So like, I was like, Ooh, that's like, that, that kind of nailed it for me. Do you know who the artist is? Did you f- find yeah, that out? Um, it was Jim Phillips that drew it. Yeah. And uh, Jim was doing all the Santa Cruz art back then. And then eventually he passed the torch to his son, Jimbo. So, you know, like with, with Santa Cruz, they did everything in series. Like Roscop had an an evolution of a graphic, Yeah, you know, like, uh, Kendall had an evolution of a graphic. So like at some point Jimbo took over that, those series. That's really cool. Yeah. That's insane. Because I do remember Jimbo. I remember the name Jim Phillips, but I wouldn't be able to tell that. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to like go like, oh, that's a Jimbo or that's a... I can because I'm an art nerd, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did you learn to skate then? Obviously, you learned to skate. Yeah. I mean, skating was a pretty big passion for me at that point, like junior high and into high school. Um it, I mean, led into my snowboarding career as well. Like, not career, but like getting into snowboarding. But at that time, uh, in junior high, snowboarding wasn't really allowed on hills yet, especially where I was from. Right. It was sort of coming out, but like it wasn't like on a, a an accepted level yet. I'm trying to think like 88, 89, like just mystery air, ketchup mustard kind of era. Like the boards were... The boards were resort ready, but the resorts weren't ready for Exactly. It wasn't allowed yeah. at a lot of resorts. Yeah. And it wasn't allowed at any of the resorts I went to. And then all of a sudden it was. Yeah. You know? Actually, resort ready is a stretch. Pre, um, like, uh, ratchets on the, on the buckles, yeah. there was a lot of binding, popping, and you didn't have good boots. And there's a lot of people, like, falling out of boards walking down the hill in their socks like so that's not resort ready right yeah but uh but the boards were good like the boards were good 88 89 it was it was like my snowboarding sort of mirrored my skating in the sense that you know all these things came out and as a kid we i mean every kid's guilty of this of like wanting to do everything that comes out like soccer i want to do that like bmxing sure give me a bmx bike and your parents are just like shelling money out hoping something (laughs) sticks yeah you don't just quit in a year right so and 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 so no like disrespect to my parents and filling me out of like just sampling all these things until i actually stuck with something they bought me like a a legend se black snow snowboard You know, like yeah. thinking that it was going to be a fad and I was going to be over with it in, in a year. Sure. So I would like go to the RV and, and like build a jump and just huck myself, <laughs> not even being able to turn. Right. And then, and then like my parents were hardcore skiers. Like my dad was like, um, a ski, like a ski patrol guy and like worked in his friend's, um, uh, 
ski shop as a bonus. What was the resort out there? This is Thunder Bay, yeah, right? Yeah, Thunder Bay, Ontario. What's the resort called? Well, we had many. For a city of 120,000 people, at one given time, there might have been like five hills that were local to us. Are you serious? Yeah, it was a bit too much. It was a bit overkill. So we had like Candy Mountain, uh, Loch Lomond, Baldy, and then we had Big Thunder, which is like mostly like ski jumping, and then Mount McKay, which is like would have been like our COP, like a small little like learner's hill. So yeah, yeah we had five yeah. hills. Wow. It's a lot. That's a lot. When I drove across the country and came through Thunder Bay, it was like, it felt like that pass was just as big as like the mountains out west. Like it's a pretty, it's a pretty serious. Yeah. For Ontario, we have, I think, I think the biggest hills. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a pretty, (laughs) it's not a big (laughs) award (laughs) compared out here, but no, it um, isn't. How was the snow? Do you remember? Was the snow? Oh, it's icy. Yeah, it's just cold. You, you pray for a powder day, but they're few and far between. Like right. You're, it's mostly like pretty compact. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never been there. For, yeah, to, and it's to cold. Ride. It's cold. Yeah. I mean, you get like, you know, days that are we'd still be out in the hill, and it's minus twenty. I mean, it's yeah. You get used to that. Yeah, I I can remember whole months that were minus twenty or less. Mm-hmm. The whole month. You're just going to school, you're going snowboarding, going ice skating, whatever it is. But when you're in Thunder Bay, I mean, that's that's what you do. Like, we have mountains and we have water, and and you're living in Thunder Bay, which is pretty isolated, so you're going to be snowboarding, whether it's minus 10 or minus 20. And, yeah. you know, when snowboarding came out, you know, I did convince my dad finally to buy me a snowboard, and I got, like, my first board was a Rosinal with the high back so it went straight up my my back basically <laughs> yeah. they were like ridiculous what board was it oh god i don't know it it looked like um it kind of had that like they ripped off the cra- the purple black craig kelly look the, you know that burton one the do. splattery of course yeah yeah this is kelly air yeah i can't so they, think it's kind of like they ripped that off be. that board yeah, graphic yeah, yeah. and then the bottom was like a a fluorescent yellow it was a it wasn't even. It was a foam core board. It wasn't even like a wood core board. All their boards were foam core until I think JF Pelchat's Pro Model was a was a wood core. Like he just wanted that. Yeah, their foam core boards rode really, really well. It was a it was a decent board. Yeah, I was happy with that. I mean, my dad bought it for me because it was like a, like they were blowing it out for like cheap with bindings, you know, and it was, he just thought like, this is, keep in mind, this is like when snowboarding was just being introduced to Thunder Bay. And it's like, he just thought it was a fad for sure. Right. I mean, but he supported my being super annoying and <laughs> wearing them down. So yeah. Were you addicted? <laughs> like, like, like people get addicted. Like you just, as soon as you, we're making turns on your snowboard. You're like, this is what I'm going to be doing. I mean, I think you can tell I'm the kind of person that is not, I wouldn't say the word compulsive. Cause that sounds like a negative thing, but like you can tell me something and I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, like, like do it like 120%. Yeah. Know? Like it's, I'm just that way. Like you can tell, like people still DM me all the time. Like you must be like the hardest working artist. Cause you just put out <laughs> new graphics every day. That's true. And it's, 
it's just what you do like if you know like anybody that becomes good at anything or whatever it's just you know skateboarding snowboarding like they're that's the eat sleep and breathe and do that right? obsessive yeah. they become somewhat obsessive and, yeah. it, and i think in a good way but like yeah i don't think obsessed is yeah it has negative connotations in some things but i think when you're talking about you know surfing skating snowboarding you know it just takes over your life in a way that doesn't leave time for you know the kind of bullshit mm. picket fence you know better job more money better car kind yeah. of thing you're just like i if the car gets me to a mountain that's that's the best car sure. that's the car that i need i think yeah. if you could say if somebody that is going to do something whether they're going to make money or die trying or be broke still and still do it yeah and also like if they do it, it like say they go snowboarding once in the day and they have the opportunity to go again that same day and they do it <laughs> yeah that's the same sort of caliber right like yeah that's the, that's the person we're talking about yeah that's the selector too like when i was talking with fabian yesterday fabian rower from switzerland he and a, and a lot of snowboarders from that era will talk about how snowboarding now is different. Well, of course it is because you could be five years old and have functioning equipment, mm -hmm. which when we were starting out, no matter who you were, you didn't have functioning equipment. No. Like you couldn't, there wasn't enough, there was no amount of money in the world that would give you something that worked I had the Noah Selaznik arc with baseless bindings. That did not work. <laughs> that did <laughs> just <laughs> that was, it was you might as well have been riding in like a, a door down the hill. Yeah. Like, yeah, it just didn't work on so many levels. And no. what boots are you riding at that point? You would have had like some airwalk free stuff free oh, rides Jesus, or something. That's a good question. What boots I don't even know. They might have been airwalks actually. Yeah, because basically at that time, you know, the airwalks were were pretty good, but mm -hmm. they were like cougar boots or something. They were just like like no liners yeah just like fit right to your foot and like flopped out there was no support i'm trying to think what boots i had back then that's a good question i don't that doesn't stick in my mind at all i had the airwalk um advantages which were like the low-end ones mm. and they were used and they were my friend Dwayne's, and they were 11 and a half mm. and i've got size nine feet so i wore like eight pairs of socks I think I did that. I think that was what we thought at the time because I actually had size nine feet and I remember rocking like 10 and a half boots back right. then. And no boards were wide enough for them. No. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It was a ridiculous I don't time. know why we did that, but. Because there was nothing, because it was like, um, like there was no equipment. Right. Like even there was nowhere to go and buy it. You know, when you would see a skate shop that had, 20 snowboards you'd freak out mm -hmm. or like a sporting goods store that had the burton lineup you know yeah you'd go and be like i can't believe they have these here i i think my dad to this day still says i can't believe you made a career out of skateboarding <laughs> and snowboarding and doing art for them like somehow combining all three things together it's pretty cool it's pretty like it's very special and very yeah it's like how does that even happen? You found the f three things that you loved and made a career out of doing all three things somehow together. It's a one in a million thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody nobody yeah. gets to do that. Yeah. 
So when is the, okay, so I, I see, I kind of already know your story and the, the viewers of the show know that we recorded in your yard and that it just did not oh, do they? work out. Yes. <laughs> Cause I talk about the failed shows. Oh, okay. I do. I'm like, ah, fuck. I had this great interview with Mark and it's just, it didn't turn out. It didn't. You know, what happens. I mean, ironically, I mean, you know, DCP is like one of my best friends and the same thing happened to him. Uh, with the bomb hole, right? Um, he recorded his bomb hole and he made a special uh, trip to do so. And then they lost, they, they deleted the footage somehow. And then shortly after he broke his neck, that's right. Like literally a week or two after, and he couldn't go back because he was, had a broken neck and he was super bummed. And I said, you know what? This is all going to work out because you already answered the questions once and now you have time to think about them. Yep. Two, you have an, a crazy story. You broke your neck and yep. you survived. And so that's going to be a new story you're going to tell in your, your round two. Yeah. And then uh, so, and you're just going to do it better. You His know? was great. He's, but, but he's I a talked really to him guy. today. Yeah. And I told him, oh, Eric lost the first time. And he just spewed everything I said to him back to me today. He's like, you're going to be so much more prepared and you're going to whatever. You know. you know what the main thing is with that one that I remember was that because I was so nervous about trying to get the video and the audio was not 100% on point. That was I couldn't sync up the audio and the video. Yeah. So I had to decide, do I put out an audio only bonus episode, but I wanted to have you have like a real episode. But I think, you know, if you look at it this way, you, you got a chance to sit down with me and actually, you know, get to know me for a couple hours and yes. my family and my son and, and, and see the stuff prehand. And then, you know, this is two years ago. So we've obviously been friends for two years now. Yeah. And now coming back into it, you know exactly what to ask me. You know what I'm about. You yeah. know, like, yeah. you know, so. It's a fun story. Yeah. Like, so you, because I know this, you let you left Thunder Bay to go to Toronto. You got into a pretty badass art school, right? Oh, I don't know if it's badass. <laughs> I think I got <laughs> into the art school I could afford. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, most of the cool kids were going to Sheridan at the time and, or, Oak, um, what's the other one? Sheridan OCA. Or OCA were the, like the two cool kid schools. Okay. And I couldn't afford those. It was hard to get into those schools. Right. And I got into George Brown and they offered me like, because I went to fine art school first, cool. they said, well, like, if you come, they wanted me to go there bad because they didn't have many designers that could actually draw coming right. into school. Right. So they like offered me, it's like, oh, you come to our school, we'll skip you up to like second year. Nice. I got to skip a, a whole year of design, which... Sounded great on paper, but then I didn't like learn what those guys learned oh, that no. year. That year, right? So it was like playing catch up the entire time. So it was actually a little harder. But um, so, what's the difference between like fine art school and design school? Oh, they're complete polar opposites. Okay, like uh, fine art is you know like I, I majored in silk screening and life drawing and painting, and you're learning to be a fine artist, and you're learning you know you know. Uh, it, you know, painting and drawing and proportions and, and how to do like things manually. And I think the vibe of fine art schools are completely different than design school because, you know, they don't really push timelines. They give you like, Oh, we want 10 paintings done by such and such date and you have to present. But if you only get six paintings done, they give you extensions pretty easily because you can't, 
you can't really put a time on being inspired and, and, and painting that as long as you're working, they, they want to see that you're working. Anyone who knows like of an artist, like a true artist knows yeah. that unin, if they're uninspired, they're not working. They're sure. frustrated and they're, but design school yeah. is the polar opposite mm, of that. Mm. Whereas like, everything is timelines like go 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 like you you're you're under the client's thumb if you're like dude honestly i was shell-shocked because here i came out of a school that was like you do you man you paint you get that stuff done when you can don't worry about it and then i go get tossed into design school and i'm not shitting you if you're 10 minutes late on handing your project in 20 percent off 10 minutes late like what yeah. I, so I every every yeah. kid was like at school an hour early trying to get their their project and papers mm. together and mm. like just be like here you go, you know, not to lose 10% or whatever it was, you know. It's like it so was you, all deadlines. So you're saying at fine art school it's like um, you know, you did silk screening, painting, you know, measurements, proportions, that kind of stuff. What what did you do at design school? Um, that's, you know, it's more on computers and you're more focusing on commercial design, taking your ideas that you would maybe sketch and draw and then, you know, utilizing them on the computer to like come up with logos or, you know, anything that's commercial. I, I majored in like print. You can go into advertising you can go into uh, different aspects, media, uh, web or whatever. I decided on print. That was, um, it seemed like my forte just, you know, like with silk screening and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, it's, I slowly realized that like in design and graphic design and print that like you could still do art and design right, together. Right. I mean, that's the best way to do it. Right. You, yeah. But you have to understand the time frame too. Like, you know, this is over 20 years ago, you know, and right. design was a kind of a, a start of the boom when I was got into it. Like it, like it was still pretty new. Right. And people are, were still like kind of figuring what it meant to be a designer, you know, like, Oh, you know, like creating billboards and, and like business cards and logos for like corporate America, you sure. know, like, you know what I mean? Like yep. there was, like the stuff that, that we have now where people are like drawing illustrations and procreate on their laptops that, that didn't exist, you right, know, like right. it, it was a much uh, more rigid time to be a designer. And like, if you wanted to get a job, like, Oh God, you'd have to make all these portfolio samples, put them in a binder, mail such binder off to like your potential job, yeah. have them look at it, hope for an interview and hope if you didn't get an interview, you get that back. Right. Because there's a dollar. It's expensive. It's expensive. Yeah. Like now we just have like emails and websites and social media and whatever. Like it's so simple for anybody to be like, here's my stuff. It's but, too much. It's too easy. Right. Like, uh, no, I don't. I, you know, I think I look at it now. It's like, what a great time we live in to be a designer. Don't. Like it's, I'm not saying, oh, like, oh, like. Back in my day, it was uphill both ways, <laughs> but it was, you know what I mean? Like, I it, it was a yeah. hard time to really yeah. stand yeah. out then, you know? Yeah. And, and not that, like, there's pros and cons to both, right? Like, you know, it, it's gotten easier to get your stuff out there, but it's also 
gotten easier to be a designer. All the software makes it easier to do the different things that you had to do now. So right. there's more designers out there to compete against. So you, you get what I'm saying. I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, I hear it quite often in the space, right? It's, it's like being a photographer. Yep. Digital oh, photography yeah. Digital yes, exactly. has made it easier right, for everyone right, right, to right. do photography. Right. And also the, uh, just the phone. That's a really good one. That That's where I was going with it is... Like Eastone and the bomb hole, they're kind of having their falling out and he's going to do his own podcast. By the time this is out, I won't have to cut this out. And so he was designing a logo and I've been designing. You've seen the dumb thing I've been designing. Oh, for, yeah. I thought it was pretty good, dude. <laughs> like six months or whatever. I'm doodling it. I'm obsessed with the doodling of it. I'm just not a designer and I but, haven't seen it turned into see, something but here, that. But what makes a designer? You still... You still manage to do a logo. Right. So aren't you a designer? I guess. What is a sure. designer? I'm a bad designer. <laughs> it's it's like, here's the problem is that we put these labels on people like you're an artist. You're right. not an artist. Right. Everybody's an artist. Everybody's a designer. Yeah. I'm a snowboarder. I'm a pretty mediocre snowboarder. <laughs> I can do a 360 and a 540 and a sure. 720 when I really put myself to it. But, yeah. yeah. But I'm not like out there doing double corks i'm not a good snowboarder right right but i don't say i don't say i'm not a snowboarder because i can't do a double cork. i got you, you i know? got you so yeah. i mean labeling is just like yeah i think yeah. we're all people and the fact that you realize that you know you can do a logo for yourself you are a designer yeah there's a, there was a lot to it like it's like it's kind of exciting to do something that you're attached to, right? Like that you're like, hey, I kind of, I'm drawing a thing here and it's taking a shape that I that I like. But what I was saying about Ethan is for his podcast, he knows lots of snowboard designers, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. He but knows me. He knows you, exactly. <laughs> but He never called me about it. And the reason that he's not calling people is that he's on the fence. He's like, dude, I can just pay 99 bucks and have 200 competing designs from 200 different oh he designers. went on like the fiverr type thing the fiverr thing yeah. and dow showed me that too he's like dude why would you ever reach out to someone that's going to charge you x amount of dollars when you could look at these I'm all these portfolios there's people that just say like your design your logo 15 bucks and then they've got like 20 logos that you're looking at going you know what this guy's not bad uh, i'm gonna play devil's advocate please do a little bit please no, no disrespect to anybody that wants to go that route. That's that's great, but there's also something to to be said about connecting with somebody that means something to you. Yes. I mean, you know, obviously Draplin comes up and as an industry logo artist. I'm throwing that out there because that's what he does: is logos. I mean, his name came up for the Eastone podcast. Sure, yeah, and you know. People look at the snowboard mag logo, yeah. and it's all they have to say is Draplin designed it. Right. It's like, you know, because anybody that gets that he's involved in that community and there's a sense of, um, um, what am I trying to say? Like he's part of something bigger, you know? And it's like, rather than say, I paid some guy five bucks in. Right, it's Overseas like it's like you're design. doing it in the family, like you've, yes. you, it, it, within the snowboarding community. 
there are standout guys that have designed tons you of cool You could get a shit. board made in China for $100. Right. Or you could pay this guy that you know is being involved right, right. in Rob, the snowboard yeah. industry to Rob make Rob Down board. making you a board in Vancouver out of like high quality materials. Right. Sorry, Ethan. I love you. I'm just... <laughs> and I'm not throwing him under the bus. He he's like I'll probably call Draplin. Like yeah. he that was yeah. right. But and he should because Draplin does right. logos. I mean I hate doing logos. I'm, don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> that's not my forte. Well, huh? that's the other thing, right? Like so, I was talking with Scott Palmier today, who's more on the filming side of things, but his brother Andrew yeah. has done tons of stuff in the in the industry. You know, momentum. Wheels was a lot of his art, and yeah. he did. He's done art. I used for, to always buy momentum wheels. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and his his aesthetic. That's one of the things you get is like you get like a graphic story, like an aesthetic that you like mm-hmm. that can really either be you know now there's just a lot of good imitators. That's what it comes down to. Sure, so, but it, wouldn't you rather pay? the guy that's in the industry that has some clout and that has some and i think that's meaning yeah i mean you know a lot of people complain that there's too many board brands skateboarding and snowboarding out there competing it's like super saturated but the 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 hindsight to it is a lot of those board brands that are popping up are you know veteran pros that are like okay I want to do my own thing. And like when you retire from being a a pro skater or a pro snowboard, well, naturally you're either going to like want to own your own snowboard brand or or snowboard shop. Or, I mean, that's all, that's what you know. Yeah. You know, why wouldn't you want to do that? So, I mean, I think it's, it's good that like all these new brands are being supported by people that are somewhat involved in the industry. Yeah. So many of them. Yeah. Right. Right. And it doesn't really translate to like Joe Q public, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people need a middleman, like a shop to tell them like, Hey, the, the reason you're, you're buying this mm-hmm. is because you're supporting a family of pro snowboarders and people from the industry that have been in it for a long time. I mean, my whole career is based on that. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, I think last time you asked me how I've done art for all these brands and I would say 95% is word of mouth. Um, like, is, you know, I'll throw DCP and, and Trevor Andrea. Those are the two early dudes that, that backed me pretty hard. And anything they did, they, they brought me along. Like, you know, like when DCP, you know, had a snowboard goggle uh, on Spy. He's like, this is the dude, you know, when he had a whatever, this, you'd be like, uh, remind insole. He's like, this is the dude. And Sick. then, you know, those guys are recommending you so often they're opening the door for you. And then once you've walked through that door and brands like working with you, well, then you're in, then you're doing art for those brands. Yeah. Too. It's awesome. So, I mean, <clears throat> it is a family and that's how you get those things. What was the first one where, and, and how did, how did you get it in the door? Like what was your first, um, I would have to say Trevor Andrew was the first person that really in the snowboard world backed me pretty hard. Yeah. Um, it was, it was back in the day when he was kind of finishing his time with Burton and he was hurt and working on his music career. Yeah. Um, he had just gotten together with Santee and, and, you know, music was his prime objective back then. Yeah. And dude, I don't even remember how we started talking, but you know, I was 
doing my little doodles and I had a art studio at the time that I was renting and I just showed him my stuff and you know obviously he could see the skate influences in it right which is what he's all about right and so he was loving it and then so he started using me on on stuff and you know, I, I did some stuff for Electric for him. I did some stuff for Nixon. I did like a, d- a skate deck for Nixon for him. Oh, sick. I did some album art for him. All his merch stuff I did for him. The Trouble Andrew air hole mask. I did anything he, he did. Like, it was me drawing mostly. Like, he had other guys too, but. Yeah. Um, and then. How did you meet him? I don't remember. I wish I could <laughs> say I remember, but it was just, we're talking 2008 here. Right. So, um, was he in Alberta at the time? No. I mean, I went to Whistler quite a bit too, though. I was my, one of my best friends, um, from Thunder Bay was living in Whistler the whole time. So I was, I was out in Whistler all the time. Like, okay, that makes you sense. know, I was doing riding camp of champs and all the whole, the whole bit. Brad. Um, as so, a camper or as a coach, as an employee of the thing, as a as a poacher, as not as none of the above. <laughs> like I had some friends that were coaches. Dwayne Weeb obviously got. I went with Dwayne every year. Yeah, and uh, Duffacy got me in all the time. Sick. So I I go with Dwayne, and you know Duffacy would pick us up at the airport. Did and, you do the Duffacy smile for option? No. But I could see why you thought that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no, I've never actually drawn anything for Chris. We're buddies, but I've, he's yeah. never got me to draw anything for him. Um, yeah, he hasn't had a lot of things. No. Duffacy brand. I like his coffee bean board. Very cool. Because I do like coffee. but <laughs> <laughs> That's epic. Yeah. So when you're doing this Trevor Andrews stuff, had you already done stuff for legitimate skate companies at that point? Was the first uh, legitimate skate? is a really loose word. I mean, Are, like Powell and Bones and stuff like. like oh, yeah, not not at that level. No, I was no. doing more like grassroots stuff back then. Yeah. I was doing like like some local Calgary skate brands. They were pretty hack, <laughs> um, but that's okay. That's all I wanted back then. I, you know, I, I still had a a day job doing graphic design at the time, and that stuff was just all fun for me. You know, mm. I was I was doing it. You know, purely recreational that's level. cool that's cool because you yeah you're doing your job and then these yeah, little side things come up it was up. just a side gig that kept me sane and i didn't even honestly at that point in my career i didn't even think it was going to be a career like i right. i was doing it at such a like humble level that i was like just happy that anybody liked my stuff right you know i and i was still learning like i was like you're talking like as an artist you like get better as you go and I look back at that stuff and it, you know, it was all pretty bad, but like, <laughs> that's okay. I can say it. Like You're it's fine. we all, we yeah. all grow, you know? Well, that's the thing about creative work is that, you know, if you have a good mentor or good teachers, they're going to tell you, yeah, look, your taste is good. And you're, you just need to get your skills up to your taste. It's not a big deal. Everyone sucks when they start. Yeah. Like sure. You can point to some random, you know, savant that can just do something so super well but that's not the way it works you need to develop a skill and a style and a yeah and it takes time and i think like the the paradox to skating and snowboarding is like you know like we're doing these sports and we're getting older and our bodies are breaking down so it becomes harder to do these things the opposite of is of art 
Whereas like you're constantly always slowly trickly learning, like trick, trick, trickle, yeah. trickling, trickling. You're trick, learning the at tricks. A very, yeah, yeah you're, you're learning at a very slow. Oh, rate. like a trickle of learning, a right? Trickle right, effect right, of learning, right, right. right? Yes. And you, you it's, it takes a lot of time to really figure things out of like and get your methods and get your style and like and improve because you know like i mean i'm sure people there's different speeds but like you know you're not just becoming a master overnight that's what i'm trying to say right and and so yeah you just get better with age like yeah do you follow like uh blaze rosenthal and like oh, yeah. Corey smith and like the stuff that those guys are doing yeah blaze and i work together on uh, chad's board last two years oh that's academy right and stuff yeah that's blaze right. is rad yeah I yeah like blaze, yeah how did you get linked up with jeff at academy <sighs> word of mouth um <laughs> i was down in san diego and i think oh yeah this is oh man this is such a like a little rabbit hole but i was doing art for bjorn and Oven at the time and I was staying at my buddy's house who was the art director for Oven and his roommate Zach was the art was one of the guys involved with Skate Mafia and JSLV but he was he snowboarded for Academy he was a really talented cool Zach uh, snowboarded for Academy and uh, a bunch of brands he's a pretty talented dude he recommended me to uh, JB of Academy yeah yeah, and I did a graphic for them, and it was, you know, I don't know how it sold or anything, but then they came back to me later on and was like, do you want to do more? And I was like, sure. Rad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I randomly jumped in, bumped into JB at Donner Ski Ranch, mm -hmm. and just, we had a great conversation. Seems like a really good guy. You guys are brothers in the beard. Yeah, brothers of the beard, and then also just, like, his philosophy seems, like, he's ironed out the wrinkles like he wants he, he's not trying to be a giant company yeah. he's trying to keep it tight and he's trying to keep it kind of family he wants to keep it pretty core yeah and keep it core yeah which totally. he's doing a great job yeah he's great yeah. he's got the right vibe and he's got like you know he's got his whole like backstory too like he 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 worked at all these crazy places with him and with all these crazy people like you know like yeah, I wish I could remember his, his story more, but he, you know, he has his path that he's gone to get where he is. And like, you know, all these people I mentioned, he's like, oh yeah, I work with that guy. That's crazy. You know? And it's like, now I'm working with this person that he worked with like 10 years ago. The industry is a really small type place. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. The fabric of the snowboard industry is like tight. It is. It's, yeah. it's really small when you actually are in it and, and understand how it's operating. Yeah. And then you have somebody that's like, oh, I was working at Burton and now I'm over at like K2 or whatever, you know. Rome or every, yeah. yeah, everything is kind of an offshoot of some other offshoot. <laughs> we just jump around. That's yeah. all we do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I like the stuff that you're doing for Yes. So like Academy and Yes, you seem like you're kind of the main guys, the main guy for those. Yeah, I'm like the veteran, I guess. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know what to say about that besides, you know, it's about creating relationships and people just really, if they like working with you, they just, they just keep calling, like the phone just keeps ringing, you yeah. know? And it's, it's about a relationship, really. It's, 
it's not about i mean part part of it is about them liking your art but part of them is also about buying into you and liking you and knowing they can rely on you to get the job done i mean there's a lot of artists out there that like can't meet the deadlines can't get the you know the the graphics didn't go to designer uh, school didn't become the yeah i mean <laughs> there's a lot to it the too. deadline guy yeah i i think you know you know i it's hard to justify spending five to six years to be an artist and post-secondary school and you know like luckily i when i was telling my parents that i like i'm i'm doing university now i'm doing college and i'm gonna be an artist like man if you if your kid told you that you'd have to be a pretty patient parent to be like this is costing a lot of money yes <laughs> yes you know you're not being a doctor here you're not yeah. you're not doing seven years of med school at the end of this it's really really unlikely that you're going to have a career yeah, I mean, man, I actually I should call my parents and thank them. <laughs> but uh, my my, yeah. my mom's no longer with us, but she she oh, gets sorry it. to hear that. No, that's okay. Yeah. Um, um, where was I? Oh yeah, like I I think it's like maybe it's back to that compulsive bit again. But it was you know I actually really set myself up pretty stellar because now I have the advantage of doing all this stuff by hand, scanning it, setting it up, doing the digital work, using templates that are provided to me and setting up stuff for, for pre-press and, and ready to go. And like I can set up a file uh, that's like, they don't have any, do anything to it. Like it's ready to, to be printed, oh, you know? So and sick. it's like a no brainer for a company like, Oh, they're paying an artist to, to design something. And it's, good to go like we don't have to pay our guy to s set up this guy's files you know what i mean right right so, yeah yeah you're easy to work with because you you've already done it yeah you've, i can take the design from a all the way to z yeah for them it's yeah. like a no they're not losing sleep over me. yeah like that devon graphic that you did for for wired this year like i don't know what the timeline was on that but like i i remember the concept and then it seemed like it just appeared like it was just all of a sudden it was just there i mean how do i say this without sounding weird about it like i do so much art every day that i'm pretty efficient at it you know what i mean i'm like a a finely oiled machine at what i do yeah so um yeah i can churn things out pretty quickly and not like that sounds bad because then you're almost like shooting yourself in the foot. We're like, well, why, why am I paying you this amount to do something? If it only takes you this long, to that's do it? what I was talking with Scott Palmy about today. Yeah. But what you're paying for is me. Like the, the schooling, the, the practice, the art doing art every day for 30 years of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think art is a little bit like a, a fingerprint too. Like you, like you can get into the whole AI thing and you know, how does that, how, how do you feel on that one? Well, here's my thought on it. Like I have a, an interesting unique, unique way of doing my line work. I think that is what people recognize for me. Yeah. And, um, my, co-worker asked like oh, aren't you worried about being replaced about with ai in like a couple of years and i said i don't think that ai can really draw the way i draw 
you okay. know, because it because it it chooses like a certain styles that are commonly used styles. But I think the way I draw is unique to myself. Sure, right? sure. And so they tried to to put in the, to make it look like my drawing, and yeah. it didn't turn out anything that looks. Uh, like okay. And and not to yeah. say that it won't evolve to 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 cover those like holes. Right. But I think that like. You know, if somebody's coming to me to do a design, they're not just coming to me for like a fiber design. They're coming to me because they like the way I draw. Right. They like who I am in this industry as like like a family serving like a history of doing skate snowboard art. Yeah. There's a reason they're coming to me besides just wanting a graph. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I did the the board that I wrote this year with. Uh, with my friend Carlos, I mean, he was just an artist that I was like, could you do a graphic for a snowboard? Mm -hmm. I liked his art and it turned out great because I liked his art and he's good at doing his way of making art. It's cool. Yeah. It's, he, it's cool to see he puts, he'll put out his, you know, his latest work and then he always shows the like illustration process sped up in, you know, like, like a time, in a time lapse. lapse. Yeah. And it's like, man, it looks so easy to do. He makes it look so easy. Like, He's become a, an oiled machine at his craft. Totally. And and that's why I do so many live drawings, so people can see my process. Dope. And that's why I do live paintings at events, and so people can see how I work and, and realize that, like, you know, what I do and how I do it is a recipe yeah. for myself. Yes. There is... I've figured out a process that works for me that is an efficient way to put out quality artwork at a level that I feel is print ready. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. And so yeah. like people are like, man, you turn it out and they'll like watch my live drawings. It's like, no, it's not turning it out. It's just knowing how to get from eight to Z and not have to hit all the speed bumps all the way through. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What not to do. Yeah, when we were recording the first time you, you did a live drawing while we were talking. Yeah. The pizza guy, which is, uh, I still have it. It's sick. And, and, and I could probably draw that blindfolded because I've drawn the pe that pizza guy before. Yeah, what was the pizza guy's story? It was on pizza plates, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. I, I was doing some art for a sizzle pie in Portland, which is a, like a, a pizza. What are you uh, doing down in Portland? You were just like living there or no 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 it's 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 a it's a pizza franchise Sick. and they're really they're like a big name in portland and seattle and oregon and yeah. the area they yeah. have like many sh shops and and their whole thing is like they combine like the imagery of skateboarding and and beer and pizza and they have like a vibe you know yeah. like yeah it's like they pretty much sponsored the skate world with pizza you know that's and killer and and if you go on their shop you can you can just you just know, you know, and it's, they put on art shows and they, they flew me, they, they got me in, uh, into Portland to do this art show and put my wife and I up at a nice hotel and yeah, they're good dudes. But I was doing some, uh, sort of skate influenced art for, for sizzle pie and that sort of like skeleton pizza pie came <laughs> out of that. Yeah. Red. And I don't even remember what it was for. But. And you drew a bunch of them, right? Like that was, or you did them live or something. There was something. About oh, well, no, I just like, 
because it became so easy to do that little character yeah that i i would like do them for people if they were like you know draw something on my like whatever and i just draw on that pizza because it was just like a no-brainer <laughs> yes i like when i toured with in flames in europe but like you know we get off stage and people like draw on my like whatever and like pizza zombie pizza <laughs> there you go <laughs> you know get, get out of here you just buried the lead there you were touring with uh with a musical act, right? And and doing yeah. live art yeah, at I mean, their shows. Was that the was that the I think I left out like I said my three biggest loves were like skateboarding, snowboarding and, and art, but uh, there's actually four. Like I love music. Like music is is equally in there as much. You dope, know? Dope. I mean I, I can't draw without listening to music. It's part of the it's part of how I work. Cool. You know, and uh yeah, so I mean, I I wouldn't say I just like oh I just like metal music or I just like whatever I like I like just good music I'm all over the map but I do like metal music a lot and uh, you know yeah uh, uh, the singer of In Flames uh, Anders and I have a clothing brand together and you know I was doing art for In Flames for many years since something about I think I started with them in 2014 Damn. or something. Yeah, and then in 2017, when my wife was pregnant with our son, I've traveled all <laughs> all of Europe with In Flames and live painted on stage 11, 11 cities. Shit. Yeah, and I, I think this is like the coolest part is we took all the paintings and uh, auctioned them off each night and donated all the money to charity. That's so sick. Yeah, went to uh, like abused children. That's the way to go. Yeah. So right. it was, there was a good, it wasn't all about, you know, f- fame and glory. It was a, <laughs> trying to achieve something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's always a bit better if you're doing it in service of helping out some, some other people. I mean, we have a setup. pretty charmed life some days and it's good <laughs> yeah. to give back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially you're traveling all over Europe. Exactly. Partying I mean, and hanging out and totally. doing art. Yeah. That's epic. I mean, we got it pretty good. And I mean, if you can give back, if you can give back, you should, you know, that's yeah, how I feel. Absolutely. About it. But, yeah. So it was, a, it was a pretty, uh, I mean, talk about a career challenger, you know, like I think that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do is really, uh, Oh yeah. Like totally. F- I, like fish out of water out of my element. Like I'm so used to live painting. I could, I love doing it. Like I, I, I enjoy it. I, but you know, here I am on stage with like metal dudes, like bouncing around the stage. I'm like, <laughs> gotta kind of like make sure I'm like out of their way a little, like I'm in my spot, but I gotta like make sure that they're not like coming towards me or something <laughs> while I'm painting. And then I got like strobe lights going everywhere. Wow. And I'm trying to like do this painting and then, like, I've got two hours to bang out a, like, a, a killer painting. Yeah. Which is, like, for me, the average time is to do, like, something decent is three hours. Okay. Like, I can, like, if I have three to five hours, I know it's going to be gold. So you're hustling. Two hours is yeah. hustling yeah. for me. Yeah. And, like, you know, like, we're talking at a decent size painting. Like, the smaller it is, you know, you don't, you're using less paint. But got it. At, like, I'm talking about something that's actually, like, a decent size, right? insane um and so i was like i don't know how this is gonna go like you know the band like anders the singer believed in me yeah he's seen me live paint he knew what i could do yeah and he's like i have this idea he's like and 
he's like, we'll fly to Europe. We'll, you'll paint on the stage. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to tell the dude no. Right. You know, like he, right. he believes in me and he's willing to finance this trip of bringing me to Europe and, you know, like two and a half weeks on tour with them. So I'm going to, I'm going to suck this up and try and make this work. Right. Yeah, it was freaking terrifying, dude. Like the first, <laughs> the first three shows, my, my heart was in my throat. Like, Oh wow. Well, yeah. Like, like we're talking like thousands of people, like just like amped to see this band. And I'm, I'm this dude on stage. Nobody's there to see me. Right. Like right. who the hell's this guy? You know, I had to walk out on stage first. That's how they started each show. Where I'd insane. walk out with my canvas, put it up, put it up, and start painting, and then they would come out, and the music would go to what I was painting, like, and like, like, so I was like the the conductor of the show somehow, like where I, I was started each show, and I'm like, this is this is like heavy, you know, and like this is on me if I make this look stupid, like, right? Uh, you know, right. this is how I felt personally. I got I'm sure you. they didn't think this but um you know so but like after about you know there's 11 shows after about three of them i kind of got my stride i'm like okay i can do this and this like, is doable yeah this is do i got i got the flow you know that's I rad the, i had the comp like i got the first three done well enough too yeah that you're like okay this but is, i was this less nervous after the first three right you know and did it become kind of fun oh yeah <laughs> i mean i had a blast that whole trip i mean the fun that we had on the trip made the whole thing fun. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like I got to travel on a bus for two and a half weeks in the cubby hole and then you're partying <laughs> on the bus and the whole bit. Like it was, it was I mean, while a, your wife is pregnant. Back I know. <laughs> oh, Sorry, <wow>. babe. <laughs> well, let's, let's show some, uh, let's show some art. How, mm-hmm. how should we do this? I'll zoom out and clean this I'll up just a bit and... be, like i just grabbed a bunch of random stuff so if we want we can just pull some stuff out and i can tell you some backstory behind you can ask me questions about it or yeah that's perfect yeah all right oh wow there's just so much amazing shit here let's start with the mr peanut up front <laughs> this is actually a skateboard graphic you, do i want me to hold it up or what yeah do you want? hold it up let's see what that looks like oh yeah you can see that yeah this is a skateboard graphic uh, I did for Reset Shop in uh, in the States, and um, Chad Foreman used to work at Black Box, is now like uh, the marketing owner of Fallen Shoes and Skate Light and, and Red Bull Skate and a bunch of stuff. He owns the skate shop, so... So is uh, that the original sketch, or is that the final Yeah, this is the product. ink work. I drew it full size. Like, I drew the... Like it's actually like a full skateboard yeah. size, yeah. And I scanned it. You can see like there is I wet it out and whatever. I, yeah, I work in ink, so this is I work in vellum. So a lot of the times, um, I'll sketch things in rough and then I'll put the vellum over top and I'll like redraw my stuff and clean it up. Yeah. But th- this one I just like completely just went for it and freestyled it and just came out very. Yeah, first that's try. why you can see like I whited out areas I messed up. Because I just went for it. Sometimes when time is a factor. You just you just go. So would they print any colors with that, or would that? Yeah, go? everything. I do the colors digitally on the computer. You just like bloop 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 fill in everything. Sometimes I do it in Photoshop, and sometimes I do it in Illustrator. So yeah. sometimes it's it depends on um, how it's being outputted. Like a shirt, you'd want to 
do Pantones and Illustrator and stuff. Okay. But like this is like would be a heat transfer for a deck, so you can do all the coloring in Photoshop and red. You can do as many colors as you want and all that stuff. What's the What's the graphic story? It's obviously just. Oh yeah. Well, where they live is they have this carnival that they're known for every year, and their main mascot is this Mr. Peanut guy, <laughs> which is like. It's hilarious that they still use this peanut guy, considering how many people are allergic to peanuts these days. But. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> Mr. Deadly or something. Yeah, right, I don't. Right. So I just allergies. like. Um, Did you go to the actual fair to get these images? No, he just sent me a bunch of photos to work off of, and obviously, I just completely made up this landscape. Like, like I just took a bunch of rides that they had and just made a different layout. In in the final work, there's actually a. I added this guy. Like, like he's like panicking like on his knees like he's had too much of like a bad time here <laughs> i love it i and love all the it. minions have like frowny faces yeah the minions just look depressed yeah that's i great. just kind of wanted to be like this like it's fun but is there really like you know well i think guys anyone... are, like there's some guys puking off the oh yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> like everybody's happy right you yeah know? Well, if you've ever been, if you've ever puked at a midway or at a fair, that's a very specific feeling. Like all the different sounds of the loud music and the smells of the it's kind of like shit. how I feel about clowns, where like you know, there's something fun creepy fun to yeah. some level, but there's a whole other like where like the joke's gone too far and it's not funny anymore. <laughs> <laughs> This so is, what do we got? Uh, this is, um, I brought this little dude because he actually is on the new, this uh, Yes Jackpot that just came out like Sick. last week or whatever. All you can oh, the, eat. And this, he's some serious lobster. Yeah. He was just like one of the panels on the board. Yep. And the Jackpot, the graphics all about like Vegas and all the characters you'd see in Vegas. Mm, cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hot I brought a couple. That's quite... It's so funny. Death I almost mountains. left and had no yes graphics with me. And I was yeah. like, well, I think a brand that's been supporting me for over 10 years, I should bring some yes stuff. So I'm Wow. Like, I'm looking at this, this stuff is getting chaotic. This, this is, is the awesome. kids board. Wow. I went for an anime vibe on the yes kids board. Obviously, I thought the kids would like the manga, like cartoon style. Yep. Yeah. This is all done digitally. Like the colors and stuff. So everything you're gonna see is just black and the black and white stuff. So these are the, the this is this is the black and white stuff that you scan, scan digitally. Yeah. Color. Yeah. I draw everything by hand. Like I don't. Like some people do their sketches and then they redraw them on the computer. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I like to use my ink work because I feel like the imperfections and like how the lines are like not all exactly equal and whatever or all like what makes it look hand-drawn and looks it's orga to me. organic yeah looks yeah. more organic yeah, yeah that's yeah. what i'm trying to say yep well this these next ones coming up holy smokes this was a yes uh, all these top ones are yes ones I <laughs> <laughs> nice. this was uh just a sketch for the yes split board and mm. so the idea behind this one i came up with was that, you know, because the split board is two sides of a ski basically put together, the shape of the bonsai tree would form this raven. Uh, oh, I see it. Yeah. When it's in a snowboard. But then when you took the skis apart and put them like this, uh, the, the part you don't see here, because I, I drew it on a separate sheet, um, the clouds form um, 
a wolf head. Oh, so, wow. So when it's a snowboard, you'd see like more the raven shape. And then when it's the skis, you'd see the, the, uh, the sorry, the wolf head. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah I love so that. Thanks. So I was trying to, in that case, like utilize how the function of the board changes the art, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like that's when dope. it's like this, you see one thing. And then when it's like that, you know, it's, it's a completely different thing. Right. It's incredible. Um, this is, all right. I mean, who, you can guess what this is. Yeah. Who is that now? You know, this one, that's this is a pop pop quiz. Who's this for? Oh God. You gotta, you gotta answer this. This is your podcast. He's going to be mad at you if you get it wrong. It's Joe Buffalo. No, this is DCP's graphic DCP's. for the Costa Rica. Oh, for, oh, for the, yeah, you just said it's all yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy yeah. shit. So he had the, sh- the shaman, and then he had all the animals around it and the space around it. That yes. really With the the chakras going through the board that mm-hmm. lit up. Yeah. So that's what this is. This is the shaman. Is woman. that a real person? That No, she's made up. Like, they wanted... I drew this other um version of her and dcp is like oh i don't want her to be like pretty or like you know like like sexy yeah like she's gotta be of the world and like not old but not young and like not like you know what i mean yeah a very neutral person yeah yeah that came up with this person hopefully hopefully i got that right but nailed it (laughs) (laughs) who knows the feather work is just exquisite on that oh thanks dude yeah Yeah. sometimes i draw in like um brush tip as you can see and sometimes i draw in in pit pen which is can be really fine and sometimes i combine both of them together depending on this was just the little sketch for mine insole for the jackson brothers oh sick jackson bros yeah so eric and uh john jackson they share a graphic that's very cool. Yeah. They and they like, do they all like the fishing, fishing stuff. They yeah. Like fishing, yeah. Yeah. So yeah I, that makes sense. Thought it would be edgy to have some dead flying fishes. <laughs> uh, here you go. Here's your Chris Roach for Academy Snowboards. JB will be happy I brought something. It's beautiful. Yeah, I got he, to ride with Ro- the Roaches, right? With Ryder Roach and Chris and, and Dave Sioni, Blaze Rosenthal. Yeah. Yeah. Corey Smith, a bunch of the guys up at uh, Fair so this, Valley. This direction comes from Chris himself. Like he he likes the stick man dude. Yeah, um, that's all him. Uh, I'm not sure his personal connection to the stick man character, but um, that's what he always likes. And there's a story behind. If you look at all his boards, there's the, the stick man is on this evolution. And it's kind of like the skate thing where one he's doing something and the next one he's like one he's surfing and there's these birds are in the background all the time and the ship's always a constant and there's usually like he likes a different like mountain view and the ocean beach but sometimes stickman's out there surfing sometimes he's doing it's it's a different story every time it's very very sick and he's he's got like the reasoning behind the adventure that it's incredible that Chris is still that involved. You might have to interview him next and ask the backstory to you that. You know what? He, really he hates doing interviews. Yeah, okay. But <laughs> he might one day. We'll but, see. But that's also yep. why I don't know the backstory, right? Because he tells me what he wants, but I don't I don't ask him or it's him. know yeah. why the the rhyme and reason to it all. I just like, sure, that's what that's what you want. That's what you get, right? It's freaking sick, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I kind of jumped back into a yes graphic here by mistake, but yeah, this is, um, oh man, I don't know if I'm allowed to show this one actually. Is that this in is the next future? year's graphic? Yeah. <laughs> next year's jackpot. Right. So that's, yeah, well, this will come out sometime in the, in the snow season. So if it's not allowed, it's not allowed. No, you can show it. Yeah. Let me just not talk about what this is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen it. That's all it's good. About. Very cool. Yeah. This, this one's the wolf god i don't even know what this is from i just grabbed this one by mistake but i don't really remember what this is from looks like a like a sweater graphic like all those wolf t-shirts and sweaters you know oh you know what i think this is this might have been an early design i did for fallen that's what it is oh yeah that makes fallen sense shoes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so you you were hired by jamie for for projects over the years well no because fallen kind of uh i don't want to say fell but um <laughs> jamie sold off uh black box at some point he sold mystery off he sold slave back to ben horton yeah and he sold um fallen off to one of the main uh distributors uh that sold black um sold fallen out of argentina oh, uh, cool. R- ronnie yeah and so Ronnie bought Fallen off of Jamie, and he's been involved with the brand since day one. So, oh, that's dope. Uh, yeah, it's sort of stayed in the family, and um, and then when they started up again, like people thought that they were like Fallen was gone, gone. But it actually took about three years for it to fully change hands, and mm. you know, like all the legality to go through. So it missed a few years and then came back. Yeah, exactly. Because Ronnie people. was setting up shop and, and getting shoes made and, and yeah. that takes time. So cool. Um, then when they started up, I was already doing art for uh, Soltech. I was doing art for Etnies and S and uh, Ronnie sort of scooped me up from, from that because he saw the stuff I was doing for shoes and I wasn't doing, I kind of wasn't doing that much for Soltech for a little bit because they're kind of like doing a little bit less art. And I asked uh, Don, like, do you mind if I work with, with Fallen? They really need me. And he's like, oh, yeah, no problem. Don's the best dude. And, um, and then Ronnie was really good to me. And, like, I started off doing two graphics for Fallen. And then I became, like, not art director, but I did... I basically draw the whole line. Wow. Like I do every, anything that's drawn for Fallen is me. Sick. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a good gig and it's fun. Like I get to work with the pros directly and, you know, Chris Cole and Tommy and Billy Marks and those guys, they tell me what they want and I draw it and it's, it's cool. That's epic. And then at some point, you know, Soul Tech kind of came back to me and like, oh, we kind of need more art. <laughs> we need you back kind of. And I yeah. was like, oh crap. And then, I like basically talked to both brands and was like, look, like Fallen and Soltech are like not really competing brands because the vibe is completely different, you know? Totally. Like like Fallen is a little bit more metal and edgy and Soltech's a little bit more clean and, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, can I, do you guys mind if I draw for both brands? And like, they know I'm very professional. I don't share information. I don't like share what the other guy's doing. Right. So they, they both said, yeah. So but, I basically will br- draw for both. That's, brands that's really sick. Yeah. So this is something for Soltech 32. But yeah. They did. This is also, it a was next, like, this is also a uh, next oh. year design. I might get actually in trouble, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm doing all the hood rat stuff. I'm sure Suzanne's cool with it. 
I'm doing all the hood rat stuff um, for 32 and boots. And uh, my line just came out like last week. So you're seeing next year's line right now. Rad, um, rad. So we might have to blur the faces. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hood rats would be... Not hood. Uh, of course, but I mean, that's going to be like uh, streetwear and stuff, right? Yeah, like shirts and like hoodies and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and then little jackets and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. you probably saw the um, hood rats line that just came out. Like I did that one. Yes. That's all my art. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So... Uh, this I had to bring a Canadian content. Of course, this is RDS. RDS and yeah. fuck shit up. Yeah, and I, my favorite artist growing up as a kid was MC Escher. So um, when Dave was asking me about like you know I do about three or four graphics for RDS a season, so however twelve a year or something like that. Yeah, I wanted to. I came up with the idea of, of this one. He's like, you know, if you want to do like a skeleton or something, that'd be cool. And I was like. I have this idea. I'm like, I, I got to do the crystal ball because I love Rad. Escher. He's my favorite. Like most people that see this think I'm playing off of Joe Lopes, which is a skate graphic right, from right. the 90s or 80s? Late 80s. Late 80s, yeah. yeah. But Joe Lopes um, was a reference to Escher. So. Oh, sick. Yeah, so this is an MC Escher nod. I love it. Oh, there's some fallen stuff. More fallen. Little yeah, pug. Yeah, this one's like a mix. Actually, this one, sometimes I just take a sheet of paper and I just fill it. So there's a fallen logo in there, but the, the pugs are for bones, skate wheels. Oh, sick. Uh, so that those that would be pugs going around the wheel you with got the bones. It. Yeah, I love this, it. And the top one was the one we used. Uh, these were the two... Uh, layouts I kind of came up with. <laughs> That's too um, cute. That's hilarious. Do you know who Haisa is? She's a pro skater. She's you like. Oh yeah, I'm sure I've seen. She's 13. She's yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. like yep, like Nigel level. 13 Intent. years old and yeah. such good style. Yeah, she's yeah. from Brazil. Yes, this is her pro wheel. Here. That's she's so. She's got general. actually a pug, and I thought it would be cute to put a little tutu on the pug because when she was like. um her like breakout video when she just was beco becoming discovered. She was wearing the tutu the whole you time. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of combined the tutu, the tutu with That's cute. Uh, the pug. Yeah. That's super dope. Yeah. Thanks. That's rad that she got her own wheel. She's still, she's I still mean, a she teenager, right? She kind of deserves yeah. it. Oh yeah. We, we put out the Hayisa wheel and uh, the Sky Brown wheel at the same time. So they both went pro. Dope. And I'm sure you know Sky Brown is. Uh, I'm pretty sure. She, yeah, she, the, she's the same age. She's 13. She just went pro, and I mean, like X Games, she tossed a rodeo. Oh in yeah, run. yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're unreal. At, yeah, we're at a we're at a level of skateboarding that's just like video game. Yeah, video game level skating right now. Yeah, like uh, I don't even want to talk about it. It's, just, <laughs> it's like I'm just like a, a rodeo. I'm like out there doing heel flips. <laughs> this is pretty sick this is uh i think i can show this one even though it hasn't been made yet we're, we're still working on the graphic but um paul kelly who used to be a, a rep for academy and now is a, a rep for oakley this is a personal board graphic i'm doing for him and he's getting rob to make them that's this is the, like the base skull and there's a top graphic too that we're still working on it i love it I accidentally grabbed a lot of skulls here right away. I yeah, know. I like these ones. <laughs> There's a bunch of skulls coming out here. 
Oh man, I just, you know what I think? See, the thing is this, is that when I'm doing this artwork and stuff, I'm usually working on full lines at the same time, right? So let's like, sure. say I'm working on etnies or say I'm working on fallen or say I'm working on bones. I'm working on 10 drawings at the same time. So say I'll finish 10 drawings, then I throw 10 drawings on the pile. Yeah. And so I'm going through my stuff and it'll be like, you know, bones, 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 bones. And then I'll be like, yes, 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 yes. You know, so unfortunately I grabbed a lot of uh, fallen stuff here. It's dope. I just finished some fallen stuff. It looks there. great. Um, this is next year's fallen graphic for a t-shirt. It's cool that you're drawing, you know, a tattoo on a person in your illustration. Do people get your, like, do people get these for tattoos? Do they reach out to you and say, can I get the line uh, for that? You know, I've been approached so many times for the tattoo thing, and I always say no. And here's why. I have, like, this thing that I think that, like, if you really, like, want a tattoo done, like, that person that is a tattoo artist, right, is right. an artist in his own right. Right, right. And it would be so insulting to me if somebody came to me and said, hey, I know you're a professional artist, but I love this other artist, and I wondered if you know if you could paint this yeah, painting. Yeah, could you paint this guy's art for a graphic for my board? Exactly. Wouldn't and make so, sense. So I say, no, just find a tattoo artist that you like. Got it. You know, like it's... Out of respect to their trade, right? I got you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. Like, if you were bringing it to get it tattooed on yourself, then you bring it and say, hey, do this. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, like, there's, like, fine lines and rules to everything. And I'll, like, you know, obviously myself i don't have any tattoos but if i got something i would obviously i like escher so i would get like send me an escher drawing the dude's been dead for you know he was <laughs> yeah, yeah. a century or whatever you know? yeah, like, yeah yeah you yeah. know so it's not like i think that's okay like it's another artist's art on my body i, I got you you know but yeah i guess you wouldn't do your own art on your own body it'd be like wearing your own t-shirt or you know that's a whole other thing we won't get into but yeah i i don't like you know, like, yeah, I drew this bone shirt and I drew these Etni shoes. Sick, sick. But they're not your I don't pro try. model. Like, it's not yeah, your... Yeah, I don't try right, and... Right. It doesn't have my name all over it. Exactly. Like, you could look at this and not know I drew it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is another Chris Cole following for next year. Fuck yeah. That's intense. We just finished this one, so you guys are getting some really <laughs> early insight into some stuff here. Looks great. All this is insane. Oh, the little mystery logo. Love it. Here's the sky wheel. I drew this one like three times because, I mean, sky is, she's only 13, but she's really picky and had some Good. definite feedback into it. Which, really? Which That's I think is really great. Cool. Which I think is great. So I, I ended up drawing this one like three different times. And like, it looks great. Well, you know, the, we ditched the bonsai tree and put like a hakusai wave behind her and stuff oh like cool cool i could see how that fits yeah she's she likes surfing a lot too so i, I think the wave had something to do with that that's badass mm -hmm. I, I kind of actually randomly brought uh, a little bit more skate stuff than i thought i did but <laughs> sorry about that yeah it's all good i love this one, this one i feel like i've seen it i i drew this i do art for the barracks too and this was, I drew this for the barracks. 
and uh, we put it out like this is this is like a spoof drawing. This is like um, yeah, May the Fourth. You know, May the Fourth be with you. I'm like a Star Wars nerd. Sure, you know? sure. And and Barrett, Steve Barrett is totally on the same level as me. Like we're both Star Wars nerds. So he got me to draw like these like skate star wars things every may the 4th and we post them i think the one we did this year is like you know darth vader doing the dark side slide down the handrail <laughs> you know but this is That's this sick. is chewbacca doing the the wookie grind like the the crooked grind across the carbonite here so i call it the wookie grind it's super sick that's great yeah he's got a good pinch on the on the crook there yeah well, it's almost a little nose grindy yeah we'll give it to him though <laughs> It can't be easy to. Is he barefoot there? Like he's barefoot yeah, skating he's with his a, hair feet. Yeah, yeah, he's barefoot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a pretty, like, I don't know. I think I have a sense of humor. My I, yeah, I think you do. That, but yeah. So, what is this huge thing? Uh, I did this for Nick at Salmon Arm years ago. It's just like a pattern for a mitt. We didn't end up using it, but I thought it would be fun to bring it in. Oh my God! Yeah, there's the little Noah Nub guy, and I Dope just like Industries, also like showing the that charms like, guy. Yeah, you know, like not everything you create gets used, and that's okay because, like, you know, for every, you know, five failures, you're gonna have one success that's bigger than your five failures. And sure, it's, it's like golfing. You know, you're gonna slice the ball however many times but that one time you hit the green off the tee box feels pretty good and makes it worthwhile right and it's all part of the process like you know this didn't get used but that's okay it's not like nick didn't like it or whatever it just didn't find a place or find a home and that's all part of creating and that and that happens and you can't you can't get upset with your failures because it's part of your journey of like you know doing what you do yeah it's fucking sick yeah all right i'm gonna use this to end it i'm gonna zoom in by carrying this <laughs> this right failure this fail this failure thanks man thanks for being a very fucking prolific and kick-ass artist in the space Thank you, sir. And hopefully people understand a little bit more about what goes into the art and the design of the design work of uh, our community. I think, you, I think you got that across really well. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, Dude. it's pretty hard to sum up 20 years and a couple hours yeah. of your life, you know? Like it's, yeah. We'll have you back on. We'll have you back on again. It's always fun to talk to you. And we'll go shred. Yeah, that would be fun. Ride a bit of early season sunshine. I think, I, I think like, I, you know, I used to do all these um, events where I'd live paint at it. It would be cool to do a, a follow-up that was, like, you know, I was, like, painting an event so you could see that side of it as yeah, well. Yeah, if, if I have a grand opening for, I'm, I'm doing a space, I think, on West 4th. Hmm. It would be cool to fly out for, like, you know, a grand opening event, do a live painting. I always love having an excuse to fly somewhere and yeah. paint something. Yeah, that'd be perfect. <laughs> right on, man. <laughs> All thanks. right, thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah, thank it. and Rad shout-outs this week to Mark Kowalchuk. Thanks for doing the show, man. And thanks for helping me with my and Rad 
art this season. The first t-shirt that I'm going to make for merch has been put up in the Effenrad Instagram link in bio. Buy them on Shopify. It's a pre-sale and I'll be shipping them by Christmas, I hope. Hopefully way sooner than that. Anything you buy from Shopify for us helps support the show. Also, you can subscribe to us on Patreon. That'll really help get us going and keep us going. I'm trying to make this my full-time job. And the only way to do that is through the support of you guys, the listeners. Buy all the stuff that the sponsors sell and keep supporting the show. Thanks for listening and be sure to come back next week or the week after. I'm not sure when for another preseason episode of the F and Red Snowboard Podcast. Season 9 drops November 1st with E-Stone. You're not going to want to miss it. All right. Peace.